for me, it was the right fit you know, against the New York Giants. Like, this is this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. Man, I'm so blessed. It's crazy. I've been manifesting New York. I, I kind of had a feeling it was going to be New York, but now that we're here, man, God is good. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Arts Tableton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am your host, Art Stapleton, and I am coming to you from downtown London, England, the UK, Giants, Packers, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Sunday afternoon here, morning there, back home in the New York, New Jersey area, and wherever else you may listen to this podcast. Both three-in-one teams, the first time in the history of the international series that there will be two winning teams playing against each other in London. I'm looking forward to it. I traveled ahead of the team, so I got here this afternoon in, uh, in London. Apologize for the delay for this week's episode, but we will have this episode previewing... Giants-Packers with someone I know very well and someone who knows the NFL very well, and that's the one and only Greg Olson, former pro bowler for the Carolina Panthers, New Jersey native, a guy I've known since the seventh grade, and he has seen the Packers twice. He and Kevin Burkhart call the number one game on Fox every week. Personally, for selfish reasons, I'm hoping that at some point the Giants get good enough where Kevin and Greg can be at MetLife Stadium in the shadow of where both of them lived, Kevin and Wayne and Greg, uh, well, Kevin Kevin and Wayne for college at William Patterson in Bloomfield for high school, Greg and Wayne, and then obviously went on to... A brief stop at Notre Dame before enrolling at Miami and then the Carolina Panthers after being drafted in the first round by the Chicago Bears. I think you'll enjoy the interview with Greg. He'll not only give you insight on the Packers and what he's seen from them, Aaron Rodgers, their defense, and what's gone on there. He has his opinions about the Giants and he knows Brian Dable pretty well. He's gotten a chance to know him over the last couple years. He'll give you his thoughts on Dable. And then playing in London. Greg played in London with the Panthers. He'll give you a sense of what it's like from a player's perspective. I gave you the inside look at the Giants itinerary, leaving after practice on Thursday and flying through the night. And the wrinkle is that the Giants will check into their hotel, which is about an hour away from downtown London, and they will hit the practice field shortly thereafter. There will not be a crash in your rooms, relax, and downtime. They are trying to keep their body clocks on New Jersey, New York time, Eastern Standard Time. London is five hours ahead, 
So when they kick off at 2.30 on Sunday, it's 2.30 here, but it's 9.30 back where most of you, I assume, are listening to this podcast. So that's what's coming up. I wanted to give you a little feel for what's going on down here in London. Got a chance to go out a little bit uh, tonight. Uh, was meaning to get over. The Giants have taken over a pub in the area. And tonight they had a big party from 6 to 8. Victor Cruz and Brandon London were set to uh, be the hosts. And <clears throat> I'm looking forward to trying to get in there tomorrow or Saturday when I have more time. Uh, today we just had a ton of traffic getting from the airport to the to the hotel took us about at least an hour and 45 minutes to get here and uh, that certainly made the schedule change a little bit Um, but if you are coming to London for the Giants Packers game the Giants have taken over the horse and guardsman pub in Trafalgar Square and they'll have happenings there all week all weekend long Uh, And they have really cool signage outside the pub. You would think the pub was relocated to uh, Rutherford with the way uh, they've dressed it up. I've seen some photos. So if you're around, if you're coming out for the game, make sure you try to stop by uh, that pub and have a few pints if that is of your liking. And some bangers and mash maybe. Uh, some fish and chips, and get ready for Sunday, the 3 and one Giants and the 3 and one Packers. So we'll come back after the interview with Greg, and I'll give you a little closing thoughts. Uh, a couple questions from fans, but this week the final drive uh, was a little bit abbreviated because of the uh, flight over the pond. So the responses certainly did not flow in Uh, as usual. So we're just going to go with uh, a final segment with me, and I'll try to give you some thoughts on the team and where things are at. So without further ado, here's Greg Olson, number one analyst for NFL on Fox, former pro bowler, and a legend in the history of the Carolina Panthers, and a New Jersey high school football legend Olson has a lot to say. Hope you're going to enjoy it. All right, joining me now to talk Giants Packers, the NFL, and his experience playing in London. Good friend of mine, go back a long way. The number one analyst for NFL on Fox, Mr. Greg Olson. Greg, great to catch up with you again, and thanks for joining me. You got it, Art. It was good to chat with you, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Now, obviously, you and you and Kevin are catching all the big games in the NFL every Sunday, America's Game of the Week, and you've had the opportunity to see the Packers, I believe, twice, right? Yep, we had them opening weekend against Minnesota, and then we had them down in Tampa uh, when they played the Bucks uh, two weeks ago. So, obviously, you know this team, you've studied this team, and it means a lot for the Giants going to London. So, let, let's start right there. You've done a lot of homework on the Packers. You've seen them a lot. What strikes you about this team uh, because they haven't necessarily come flying out of the gates per se, and 
you know, squeaked by the Patriots in overtime this past weekend. But what what are you seeing from Green Bay four weeks into the season? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a different model than we're traditionally used to seeing, you know, from Aaron Rodgers and that Green Bay offense, especially in the Matt LaFleur era. You know, we've seen them, you know, score so many points and be so efficient in the passing game. You know, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think, you know, the, the easy, the, the first answer is, you know, just the, the arrangement of skill players is just a little bit different, right? Devontae Adams, he gets traded away to, to Vegas. He's gone. You're trying to replace him. You know, Alan Lazard is back. He's a good player, good, solid player. Um, you know, but they got the two rookies, you know, Watson and, and Dobbs, Romeo Dobbs. They got two rookie wide receivers that are talented. They're coming along. They're get, they've gotten a lot better just since week one when we saw them in Minneapolis. But, you know, they're still rookies. They don't. He doesn't have that one target like he had with Devontae Adams for those years where he knew on a critical down, he knew on a critical part of the game he would win and he could just go to them. So I still think they're figuring out what they want to do. They're a little more run-centric with, with uh, A.J. Dillon and, and Aaron Jones. I think the offensive line is getting healthy, which has helped them, with, especially with the two tackles. Um, and then defensively, I think they're pretty good. You know, other, Outside of that first week when you know, uh, Justin Jefferson kind of ran loose on them in the opening day, I think that defense has really settled in. So it's just a different maybe Packers team than we've seen traditionally where they were so offense-driven, pass-game-driven. They're a little more balanced now on offense, and their defense um, their defense is really good. I mean, this team obviously is defined, I think, by their defense at this point so far. And Green Bay is a, you know, very good up front. A guy you and I know well, did well in North Jersey. Uh, similar path to what you, you took back in the day. Rashawn Gary has really become – you know, a player here that, that you have to watch going in. What do they do defensively, Green Bay, in terms of – because you, you've seen games, and I have too, where, you know, their run defense hasn't necessarily been up to snuff. Do, do they attack more up front uh, with Green Bay? What have you seen from what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, they're good. I mean, Rashawn Gary, as you mentioned, he's a, he's a really good player. He kind of had his breakout season last year. Um, you know, it was a first-round pick that I think a lot of people in Green Bay weren't real sure about yeah. um, his first couple of years. You know, was a good, solid player, and then last year kind of broke out as Darius Smith went down for injury. He kind of he kind of burst onto the scene, and, you know, when you look at the metrics of, you know, win-pass rate and pressures on the quarterback, I mean, he's up there with the likes of, you know, T.J. Watt and, you know, Miles, you know, Miles Garrett and, you know, some of the premier names in the league. So he's a really good player on the outside. Preston Smith, the guy's been playing for a long time. I think a guy who doesn't get enough credit inside is, um, is is Kenny Clark. He's a really good interior D lineman, kind of a nose D tackle type guy, and um, big and physical. You know, so they, they got some guys up front. That's for sure that that can get after. They're gonna they're gonna play five down. They're gonna five play five bigs a lot of the game, especially on first and second down, and try to you know make you one dimensional and make everybody have to block one on one. You know, they use their they use one their first round pick, one of their first round picks on Quay Walker, the inside linebacker. You know fast, you know, dynamic athlete, kind of a young guy, a little raw, but, you know, with him and Devondre Campbell inside, they feel great. So when you when you go all three levels, you know, up front with the line and, and the linebacker and then, you know, in the secondary with, you know, having Jair Alexander back, you go with, Amos, you know, Adrian Amos. And, and they got, you know, when you go guy by guy, talent-wise on defense, they're, um, they're pretty good. So you can understand why, you know, why they're having some success defensively. They got a lot of really good players. Let, let's talk this. You know, obviously, um, uh, where are you this weekend? I meant to check you and you and Kev. Where are you guys doing? We're going 
to uh, we're going to Los Angeles. We got the Rams Cowboys. Oh wow! Okay, so uh, home game for Kevin. <laughs> home game for everybody but me. <laughs> yeah, uh, you'll you'll have to deal deal with that travel, right? As if you're not used to that for what 15 years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, it's all good. <laughs> um, but in terms of you know this game, I mean that you know the Packers sitting there are three and one. I, I'm sure. Um, you know, we would have thought they would either be four and zero or three and one at this point of the season. Uh, going against the Giants, I, I talked to you about them in the preseason when when we got together for a story, and you know, you you talked about you know you you thought Brian Dable w- was really going to make a difference. You weren't sure if it would show up on the scoreboard right away. What have you seen? I know it's been from afar. You haven't had them yet, and hopefully they're good enough for my purposes that you and Kevin are on that uh, on that broadcast soon, but. What what have you seen, or at least from you know observed from from what you expected versus what you've seen from the Giants? Yes, I mean I watched their game. Um, you know I had Dallas this past weekend against Washington, so I, I had watched the Monday night game between Dallas and New York. And you know I know New York lost, and that's their one loss. But I, I really thought they battled hard. You know they had some you know they had some issues up front offensively. Protect you know Daniel Jones, who I thought played really well. I mean considering the way Dallas's front got after them and how little time he had. He made a lot of plays with his feet. He extended a lot of plays, made some big passes down the field. I, I thought Daniel really competed and, and played hard that weekend and kept him in it. I, I know they have some limitations up front in the passing game. I think their run game has been really good. You know, having Saquon back healthy kind of looks like the guy we all saw coming out of Penn State. So that, that's been a huge boost. I know you know, losing, you know, losing some of the skill guys. Hopefully, Daniel. I don't know what his status is this week. I know he kind of hurt his ankle. Yeah, was it his ankle last week? Yeah, he had a sprained ankle in one of the runs, and it actually came out. Uh, had to come back onto the field because Tyrod Taylor got a concussion at the end of a run. So Daniel was essentially the decoy. He had to come in. Uh, he had the radio in his helmet. He had to basically relay the plays in the huddle, and Saquon was playing. Uh, almost a wildcat quarterback to close that game out against the Bears. It was kind of a wild scene at, at MetLife. But, you know, you win three games in this league, you don't apologize it after four weeks. No question. And I think, as you said, I, I really like Brian Dable. I think he's a really good coach. Um, I've known him now for a couple of years, got to know him, you know, more recently with the up in Buffalo with some of my, you know, some of the guys I used to to work with in, in Carolina with McDermott and those guys. He's a really good coach. I think he's done a hell of a job, and it just shows. I mean, sometimes it just takes the right leader. It just takes the right voice, and things can turn around pretty quick. You know, I don't think anyone in New York, even the most diehard fans, I don't think anyone imagines they're going to win the Super Bowl this year or, or even that they're necessarily going to you know, win a playoff game. I just think it's night and day different than what we've seen the last couple of years, and sometimes that's just who's pulling the strings at the top. And um I give him a lot of credit. I know he kind of gave up play calling duties, and that was kind of how he made his name, but he wanted to be a little bit more of a present head coach and not just be so consumed offensively, which I have a lot of respect for. It's good self-awareness. So I think he's pulled a lot of the right levers so far, and you know they got a lot of places they got to improve. They got to get better weapons around Daniel. They got to improve up front. You know, there's a lot of boxes they still need to check before they kind of find themselves in the picture of being a real playoff contender to make a run. But I think early results right now, if you would ask everyone in New York that they'd be 3-1 and one going to play Green Bay in London, I think everyone would have signed up for it. So credit to them and uh, credit to Dayball and, and everybody there because they've, uh, they've definitely you know exceeded expectations so far early. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, 
one of the best or most intriguing matchups this weekend. I don't know how much you played the Ravens in your career uh, with Wink Martindale calling the shots and being as aggressive and blitzing all over the place. But I, I wonder, you know, look, Wink talks about, you know, he's one of those coaches you don't. You don't change your spots. And I think, you know, you and I both know a coach like that in a New Jersey Hall of Famer and your dad that, you know, this is what we do and we're going to go in there and we're going to dictate to them. That's what Martindale is going to do with Green Bay, you would assume. Can you get away with that and survive against Aaron Rodgers, even at this stage when they're built a little differently? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I, I think Wink's done a good job so far. You know, his track record, you know, kind of, you know, the, the hand he was dealt last year in, in Baltimore with all those injuries kind of got away from him there. He's playing a lot of guys that really aren't even in the league right now. So he, um, you know, he's, done, he's come in and done a nice job. You know, I think where you find yourself when you're, especially when you're kind of retooling the roster and you're, and you're kind of trying to add more talent and continue to get guys playing at a high level that, you know, maybe don't have a ton of experience or a ton of, is you've got to be careful. You don't want to be too multiple, right? So you want to find out what do we do well, and I think this is to your point, what do we do well, and let's put our guys in as many positions as possible to do those things well. If you rush the passer well, rush the passer. If, you, if you're a great blitzer, you blitz. If you're a great cover guy, cover. Like, let's not ask guys to be good at everything, because right now maybe their best attribute is just being good at one thing. So to your point about just being who you are, I think when you're going in against Green Bay, if you think you're going to trick them and you're going to start putting in all these new coverages and all these new blitz schemes and all this, all you're going to do is trick yourself. So I think right now for where the Giants are, they need to be true to their identity. They need to say, hey, here's who we are. If we play well, we got a shot. And if you beat us and we play well, then you're just better than us right now. And I think that's kind of the, the mindset that they're taking. And I think so far it's paying off. You know, Are they talented enough to beat Green Bay? Are they experienced enough to Green Bay, beat Green Bay? Who knows? Who would have thought the Patriots were going to take them to overtime with a third-string quarterback that none of us even heard of? That's so a great point. That's kind of where things are, and I think that approach right now has served has served New York well. And now it's just a matter of do you play well, and if you do play well, do you have enough do you have enough talent and enough guys to go head to head with Aaron Rodgers? I think that's pretty much the the simple equation at hand. Give me a sense. Uh, I wanted to ask you about your experience going to London. You played in London. Uh, I think it was 2019. Is that right? Or 18? Yep. 2000, yep. 2019, you went with uh, with the Panthers, and I think you guys won, right? You beat the Bucks. Yep. What yeah, was that was like? <laughs> when did you guys go? Because more and more teams, especially on the East Coast, Giants and then Packers are all leaving Thursday night. And they're basically going from the airport to the practice field on Friday because the idea is that they want to keep their body clocks on East Coast time or at least central with Green Bay because they opted to not have a bye after this week. And um, I, I know that's a challenge for guys who are in it and you get to a regular routine. What was your travel itinerary? Do you remember that year? When did you go to London? Yeah, that's exactly what we did. And I think it actually worked out well. We left Thursday after practice. We flew through the night. So we, we slept and woke up, you know, morning time, local London time. At, I don't know what it was, 8 o'clock, 9 whatever it was. Yeah. Time zone change. It was sometime early in the morning. We went to the hotel. Everyone got checked in and kind of collected ourselves for a little bit. And then we started our normal Friday routine. We went to, you know, we had meetings. We went to practice and did our normal Friday. And then we were off Friday night like we would have been if we were, you know, 
in the state. So it actually worked out pretty well. We had a great experience at Tottenham Stadium. We played it was amazing. The fans were packed. It was loud. It, it was a great experience. I, it was my only time ever going to London, and I really, I really enjoyed it. The whole experience. Of course, it made it easier that we won. Right. I um, yeah. I had nothing but positive. I had nothing but a positive experience uh, going to London. I, I would. I would have signed up to do it more. Now, when you were in the stadium for that game, I've heard, uh, you know, you'll obviously have fans for the Packers and fans for the Giants, but what I've heard about the international games and what's cool about it is that you look in the stands and you see fan jerseys essentially from every team in the NFL. Do you remember seeing that when you were there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's what's so cool is I think the fans there are still kind of learning American football and learning they, they love it they love the excitement of it but I think like you said they didn't necessarily show up for our game as Panther fans or Bucks fans they just showed up as NFL fans so whatever NFL jersey they had they wore so it was almost like you were at the Pro Bowl you know it was almost like you just had fans from all over the place um, that weren't so much interested in who was winning as much as just the excitement and the entertainment of the game I mean I remember you know it feels like the fans cheered the entire game and <laughs> We made a play or they made a play. It didn't really matter who made a play. It was kind of the same cheer for both sides. And um, there was something really cool about it. And they were in their seats before the national anthem. They were on their feet the whole game until the last minute. It was it was, um, it was was a really cool experience. The stadium was amazing. The fans were great. Um, I think it's been a really good positive for the, for, for the NFL. And like you said, you would go back to there. How how cool would it be to call a game there again if you if you and uh, if you guys were able to get out there at some point in the international series? I know. I would, I would love to call a game overseas one of these years. Um, Danchez somehow got to stay there for two weeks. He yeah. Last week's game, he stayed, and he gets to call this week's game. That guy got a two-week paid vacation in London, lucky guy, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I would love to call a game overseas. I think it's always fun to travel. I think it's always cool to see it you know, outside of what you're accustomed to, you know, it's, you know, seeing games here, you've done it a long time, but to see games outside, it just, it's a little bit of a different vibe. So maybe one of these days we'll, uh, we'll get out there and call a game somewhere else. Awesome. Greg Olson, you will be on Rams Cowboys this weekend. Rams, boy, they got to bounce back. That was a rough one last night for sure. Uh, but We'll be all listening. I'll be uh, I'll be trying to fight sleep to watch you guys on on Sunday. You and Kev uh, on Fox, but I do appreciate your thoughts and your time about the Packers and the Giants. And we will be in touch this season. Thanks for joining all in. You got it, buddy. Good talking to you, man. Have a good one. All right. Again, thanks to Greg Olson for joining me. Hope to have his partner Kevin Burkhart at some point. Later this season, they're both good friends of mine, and I've known them for a long time. Uh, Kevin and I actually covered Greg in high school. And one funny story about Greg Olson that I will give you, when you're tuning in to the game of the week this week after the Giants finish up, and it's the Rams-Cowboys, <clears throat> I'm sure you guys will watch it. I met Greg in the seventh grade. He was on the sideline. He was the ball boy for Wayne Hills, which is the team coached by his father, one of the best public school programs in the last 25 years in New Jersey. And Greg wore this vest where, you know, ball boys, you can actually tuck footballs into the front of it. And he actually stashed candy bars in there so he can have, you know, a little snack if you want it on the sideline. 
But I remember Greg coming up to me. Cover, I was covering a Friday night football game, and Greg just coming up and saying, you know, hey, what do you think is going to happen in Glenrock this week? What about Ramapo? Uh, Burden Catholic and Don Bosco playing. What do you think? So that's where it all began, and it comes from relationships. So uh, all these years later, Greg Olson will be calling two of the next three Super Bowls, potentially, depending on what Tom Brady does uh, as far as his broadcasting career. But at the very least, it will be Burkhart and Olson calling the Super Bowl, and the world will be watching. So, again, happy for all of Greg's success in his second career, all the things he does for kids in the community down in the Charlotte area and really across the country. Uh, his Have a Heart Foundation uh, is huge, so make sure you, you check it out if you're interested. The story about him and his son, TJ, uh, who's doing well now but having to get a heart transplant uh, and everything that had gone on there. Football family through and through with Greg Olson, his wife, Kara, and obviously his family. So, again, thanks to Greg. I hope you enjoyed his insights on this weekend's game. Now let's talk a little bit more about the moves this week for the Giants. Quarterback. All signs are pointing to Daniel Jones starting on Sunday against the Packers. I was told yesterday before leaving for London that even Daniel was surprised how good he felt and looked in practice on Wednesday. So the clearest sign yet that Jones is going to be the guy is the fact that the Giants did not sign a quarterback to potentially back up Davis Webb, who has yet to be elevated. They do their elevations from the practice squad on Saturday. Maybe he gets a spot on the 53. There certainly are open spots right now as the Giants play a little roster gymnastics trying to figure out what the best moves are. And I just think Daniel Jones, if healthy, and he certainly looked that way, it does speak to the idea that Brian Dable, what he said after Sunday's game against the Bears, was the idea that they had the game plan that was working with a lot of misdirection, a lot of bootlegs, and when Jones got injured, he just didn't feel... Dable, that is, didn't feel that they should abandon the game plan for the sake of just having Daniel out there. So that's why they went to Tyrod Taylor. And to me, that's smart coaching. And that's honest coaching. You're honest with your players. Daniel Jones wanted to play, but they were honest with him. And I think that says a lot about the relationship that they're trying to build. So, obviously, Tyrod goes out and ends up getting a concussion. So, Daniel has to come back in the game. I told you on the post-game podcast that we did that part of the reason he was out there is because he needed to communicate the, the calls that were coming in through his helmet and the radio in his helmet. And he needed to get those calls out to Saquon Barkley to John Feliciano so he can relay those calls to the offensive line 
for the protection schemes. But that's where we're at. So I think right now the Giants are still giving Tyrod Taylor a chance to clear concussion protocol. If he were to clear protocol, I think there's a very good chance he would be the backup quarterback Sunday. My gut tells me that it's going to be Davis Webb as the backup and Daniel will start. For all the talk of the workout with Jake Fromm and A.J. McCarron and Brian Lewerke, uh, nothing materialized. The Giants kept Lewerke in town, from my understanding, overnight from Tuesday to Wednesday. And then when Daniel Jones looked the way he looked in practice, essentially Lewerke was told there wasn't going to be an imminent signing. Uh, so he you know, didn't have to stay around. Uh, and he could actually move on and move to his next opportunity. Uh, the other big thing, you know, especially from a media perspective this week, is the idea of what Landon Collins and his workout on Monday meant. And we ended up finding out on Thursday when A.J. Klein, linebacker, who was in Buffalo, Joe Shane very familiar with. Klein's getting signed by another team to their active roster. So they lost him on on their practice squad. So Landon Collins, who worked out and from all indications, had a good workout on Monday with the Giants. But because of all the holes that they need to plug and the uncertainty at different positions... Collins was basically put in a holding pattern. And lo and behold, Thursday, the Giants are going to sign Landon Collins to their practice squad. Now, here's the catch. Landon Collins wasn't in town. So Landon Collins is now putting together travel plans to get to London to be here for when the Giants get here on Friday. So he's flying separately from the team which I thought was interesting. But either way, I think from a physicality perspective and what Landon can bring when he's aggressive moving forward, I'm I'm eager to see how he performs in Wink Martindale's defense. Now, when will he get the opportunity? Where does he fit with Xavier McKinney, Julian Love, who actually practiced, practiced on a limited basis, Non-contact. He's still in the concussion protocol on Thursday. But it looks positive for Julian to have a shot at playing on Sunday. Then obviously you have rookie Dane Belton and you have Tony Jefferson on the practice squad. Jefferson played the first two weeks and played pretty well and has not been on the active roster the last two weeks because if the Giants move him up, they then need to make a roster decision. So it will be interesting. I don't necessarily have the clarity there. I think Landon Collins fills a role as a hybrid inside linebacker that Wink Martindale believes he needs to have on this defense. Jalen Smith has come in, and he's played well. He played well last week against the Bears. And Tay Crowder found his game. He had a monster game. So did Dexter Lawrence, by the way. But overall, 
I think it's important to look at Landon Collins here and appreciate the story for what it is. You know, you're talking about somebody who used the last London game that the Giants had as a springboard to put himself in conversation for the Defensive Player of the Year award in the league. Not Defensive Player of the Week, the Defensive Player of the Year. He finished with with an all-pro recognition. He was outstanding. And obviously we know the trials and tribulations of what led to Landon's departure. Dave Gettleman not putting the franchise tag on him, not wanting to give him a long-term deal. He ends up signing a long-term deal with Washington and then ran into some more bad injury luck in Washington. And in hindsight, the Giants made the right decision not giving Landon Collins that long-term deal. But it's funny how things come full circle. And Landon Collins will be a Giant again. And I'm fascinated to see how Wink Martindale, who loves his safeties, to see how Landon Collins fits into this scheme provided he gets that call up to the active roster before too long. So that'll wrap it up for this week's advance all in with Art Stapleton program heading into Giants and the Packers. Aaron Rodgers, Saquon Barkley. It's going to be fun. I don't know if, how close the game will be, but the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium looks phenomenal. I think it's going to be a great scene. It'll be back home at 9.30 in the morning. But you need to follow my coverage on NorthJersey.com and across the USA Today network. I am here. I'm going to be pumping out stories. Remember, we're five hours ahead. So I'm going to be getting you information from out here that you can get early. You wake up and there's going to be a lot of stuff. From Friday when the team arrives for their first practice, I'm going to give you set the scene a little bit, give you a nice sights and sounds uh, story from England. And then on game day, we are going to be all over it. And my ask of you is if you listen to this program and you, you love being all in, take that next step. Go all in even further. Go to the North Jersey subscriptions page or whatever digital subscription for your local area. You can go to Low HUD. You can go to My Central Jersey. You can go to Asbury Park Press. You can find any Gannett newspaper in the country that may have your local news. And you get my coverage. And you get Pete Caldera's great coverage of the Yankees who are getting ready to to go for the, the World Series after this remarkable Joe, Ju- uh, Joe Judge, <laughs> Aaron Judge run. Uh, and Andrew Trednick is with the Mets. Hopefully they survive this weekend and move into round two and make a little run of it for Buck Walter and those guys. So everything you want, everything you need... Go get that digital subscription because I promise you there will be things that we will cater to you, the subscribers, the people who have gone all in. We love everyone. 
I love the I love the audience. I appreciate the audience. Everyone who listens, everyone who reads, everyone who follows me on Twitter and Instagram at art underscore Stapleton. But what I what I will say is, those subscribers, those who subscribe, go that extra mile. One dollar for six months is all it takes. To guarantee you get the entire season, everything I produce. And I do my best to take care of our subscribers. As much as I take care of everyone who reads, our subscribers our subscribers are part of something special. And when the Giants hit their bye week, we're going to try to do some special stuff for the subscribers. we got things in the works. Nothing's finalized. Nothing's official. But subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Not only to NorthJersey.com for my coverage, but for All In. You guys have been phenomenal this season. I've been proud of every single show we've done. I think we've gotten big-time guests. We've given you great insight. And now we've taken the show on the road to London. We will be in Jacksonville. We will be in Seattle. That'll take you right up through the end of October where the Giants are, their relevancy. Are they going to actually make a push to be a contender for a playoff spot? Keep it right here. We'll have everything you need to know. So for my producer, Paul Wood, for the fans who have always been all in, this has been all in, and we're all in every week. And this week, from London... I said I wouldn't say it, but I have to. Cheerio. Enjoy the game on Sunday.